And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. John Vance, a dear friend, a board member, and a former pastor of a church in New York State, Westminster Presbyterian Church, and now living in West Virginia. Pastor Vance, it's an honor to have you with us here today. Well, it's my privilege. This is a important time of year on the church calendar, Pastor Vance. This past Wednesday began the season of Lent that the Christian Church celebrates with Ash Wednesday. And um, I think maybe the first question I want to ask, um, you have much to say, I'm sure, but people might say, wait a minute, isn't that a Roman Catholic thing? You guys are Protestant. What are you doing celebrating Lent? And how have you answered that in the past, Pastor Vance? Lent means spring, and so uh, it's it's a time of the year where uh, many, many, if not most Christians around the world uh, prepare themselves for Easter. That's what Lent is really for, and to prepare baptismal candidates and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and this goes back before really Roman Catholicism, you might say, was really formed. Uh, it goes back uh, at least to uh, 325. There is a canon in the uh, Nicene Creed. They have canons following and mentions it. Uh, and it was practiced before then uh, in a much shorter period uh, of way, we, we know from early uh, New Testament. But even more than that, it has... If, if you will, the, uh, a calendar that, that believers practice, of course, is in the Old Testament as well. Mm-hmm. So it's really not just simply to be associated with uh, uh, Catholicism. Uh, there are Eastern churches, the Eastern Orthodox and the Eastern Oriental churches also uh, observe Lent. It's not exactly the same period, but it's the same uh, uh, period of time, basically. Uh, and at the time of the Reformation, the Lutheran churches and the Reformed churches did not give up on these practices. Uh, yeah. They observed them. Now, the, Re- the Reformed churches were a little more uh, skeptical uh, of, of some of these uh, days, observance of days, because you didn't have to. But Protestants generally have observed Lent in, in its mainstream. Uh, certainly the Church of England, which is Protestant in theology and so forth, continued to observe uh, Lent, and Thomas Cramner recommended it, and he was basically reformed in his ideas. Mm. Uh, so it's not it's not right to say that this is a Roman Catholic thing. As a matter of fact, before Catholicism, as we know it really developed, you found it in the Eastern churches, in the Western churches, and at the time of the Reformation. And there's actually been a revival among some Protestant churches that have much more Puritan uh, uh, leanings, uh, and they didn't even observe Christmas, by the way, the Puritans as such. Oh, yeah. But have have uh, uh, have developed an interest in in going back to a Christian calendar of some sort, especially in the highly secular society that we live in, uh, saying that we don't march to the same tune as the political system, but we we belong to another kingdom as well. We observe uh, secular days and so forth, presidential. Days, one's coming up, what, the 19th of February, President's Day. Mm-hmm. But it's a good thing to help us to remember and to observe these things. And more and more, even among the Pentecostal churches and others, uh, they, they've started observing Lent as well. So it's become 
uh, much more uh, common, e- even in those churches that didn't inherit the tradition to to pick up uh, the tradition. So I think uh, from that standpoint, we really can't associate it uh, simply with Catholicism, though that in our minds, because of the presence of Catholicism in America, there are about uh, 75 million Catholics in America. And of course, they're going to observe that and, and be the dominant uh, tradition that observes it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's helpful. I um, I was listening with my wife Deb um, this p- last weekend um, to the Lutheran Hour, which we carry on this network, and that's a Missouri Synod. It's a good group, and uh, the minister there was talking about Lent. Had some really excellent content. And at the time, he was encouraging us to read the Gospel of Mark and to digest that. I guess that was one of the readings on the church calendar. I haven't looked it up, but anyway. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, Today we're talking with Dr. John Vance. The subject is Lent, and he talked a little bit about why Protestants do celebrate Lent. Um, Let's... um, peel the layers of the onion just a little bit. Um, you did a little prep ahead of time. What would you like to talk about today in, in connection with Lent? Usually I just talk off the cuff, but I, I sat down about a half hour beforehand. Now, I, of course, have had this uh, in my system. I, uh, Westminster, we observe Lent, and so, of course, I look things up in the past, but I refresh my memory. Uh, and it is important, I think, for people to know that the there are 40 days in Lent, weekdays, by the way, weekdays uh, in Lent. Sunday's not counted. Uh, and it's a time uh, from Ash Wednesday, uh, the 40 uh, weekdays, uh, to uh, Easter, of course. And, and why the 40 days? Well, if you, if you recall your biblical history and reading the Old Testament, you'll know that Moses and Elijah both observed a 40-day uh, period of of fasting and repentance, and and of course uh, the main reason that the forty days is chosen is because of our Lord Jesus Christ, who following his baptism, it says the Spirit led him. It's a very strong word. It's more than lead. It's almost uh, uh, drew him into the, uh, the the wilderness, and for forty days and nights he fasted and prayed. After which he was tempted by the devil. And uh, Jesus often prepared himself in various ways. Uh, Of course, he was Jewish, and he observed Jewish calendar, but he likewise was a person who who observed in his own human devotional life a calendar. And we have picked up the 40 days from this period in his life mainly. Mm -hmm. And um, that's important, I think, to realize that our Lord... Uh, likewise, uh, observed holy days, the Sabbath, uh, and other aspects. So it's not just as if we are free uh, and shouldn't show discipline in many of these areas in our own understanding of time and place. Yes. Forty days is a long period of time. Um, Jesus was fasting. Does that mean he didn't eat any food at all during that time, I wonder? Well, he surely, from the human standpoint, had to drink. Uh, it's possible 
uh, humanly possible uh, to probably not eat for 40 days. Uh, huh. uh, at least you can go a lot longer. I don't know the science behind it, but I've been told three or four days that most of the person can go without water. Oh, yeah. So surely he had he had some water. Uh, and I, I would say that he did not eat during the daytime. But the, the Scripture uh, does say, and it's quite rigorous, Jesus, uh, I looked it up, Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Yeah. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them was hungry. So I would say he drank some water, but he didn't eat any food. Yeah, that amazes me, because... Um I know some people get what they call hangry. Have you heard that phrase before, uh, where they're hungry and uh, it kind of raises the level of frustration and anger almost, and they're a little bit more on edge. Maybe it's a a sugar-type thing in their bloodstream, but um, going without food is... uh, very serious matter, but it also was something yeah, it's that... Not, it's not recommended that people do what Jesus did. No. Uh, for 40 days without food. Yeah. Uh, uh, fasting, I think we normally understand. We practice with, uh, say, eating after sundown a little bit. Mm-hmm. Usually the fasting in the church for Lent uh, was denying oneself of meat and eggs and things like that, and mm-hmm. having only uh, uh, certain vegetables. Uh, historically, that's the way fasting was observed for Lent. That's interesting, but I would I would say this though: once you go past a certain point in hunger, you don't feel hunger. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. You go you go past a certain point. That agitation may be early on after a few days, but you can get to the place where you you don't uh, your appetite has to be stimulated. My wife ran an assisted living uh, place in New York, and oh, yeah. one of the things that they had to be aware of as as a person gets older, they they some almost quit eating. That's true. And you have to stimulate their appetite. Yes. Uh, uh, to get them to eat, so uh, there there comes a point where you could easily starve yourself to death. Some of these people miscalculate uh, and do starve themselves to death in fasting. And of course, people with with certain eating disorders uh, have have slipped into a place of no return because they didn't realize how bad off they were. Yeah. Well, we're talking about Lent and the observance of it and the the history of where this came from. And it's uh, really beyond the Moses and Elijah fasting and repentance. Um, Jesus himself is driven into the wilderness by the Spirit, and he fasts. And so that's tied to our 40 days weekdays of observance of Lent leading up to the Resurrection or Easter. Um, what else comes to mind, Pastor Vance, as you consider Lent? Well, Lent is a time that we should remember to to discipline ourselves. Uh, we don't practice much, I'll speak for myself, Christian discipline, but I remember when I first, I had an adult conversion of about 20 years of age, and I was in a Cleveland clinic, but Cleveland, not Cleveland clinic, but Cleveland Browns uh, football uh, fan. And this was back in the days of Otto Graham. That dates me. He was the quarterback for Cleveland and and very famous. But I remember I was about uh, uh, seven or eight months as a new Christian, and I was watching uh, the Cleveland Browns, and I said, do I have the discipline to turn them off 
and go read my Bible. <laughs> and I did. Wow. Uh, and I would practice that a little bit. Unfortunately, I don't have that kind of discipline <laughs> today. But I did so. But we need to uh, to to interject more discipline in our lives in a spiritual way. And and, and the scriptures uh, commend it to discipline ourselves uh, to not, if you will, feed the appetites of the flesh, but to concentrate on prayer and dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lent is a good time for us to practice some measures of discipline and to exercise control over ourselves. Mm. Uh, the scripture is quite clear that uh, God has given us a mind, uh, and, and this mind is not to be conformed to the world, but to be conformed uh, after the mind of Christ. Uh, and so uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, says the scriptures. So discipline is important but another aspect of Lent was to prepare people for baptism Mm. Uh, I think that's lost Uh, the early church did not baptize everyone just based on well I want to be baptized well we'll schedule you next Sunday or Uh whatever Uh, they had certain times of the year when they baptized four or five times Uh, Easter was one of them Pentecost of course uh, around Christmas so uh, people were prepared over the 40 days. They were catechized. Right. Uh, uh, they were taught the Christian faith, prepared uh, to understand the Christian life, and, and if they were adults, uh, this was uh, what par- part of their uh, uh, preparation for baptism. And so they used it in that way to prepare people for baptism. And it got me to thinking uh, that really Lent is also a time when we should uh, consider once again uh, the sacraments of the Lord's, uh, His Word and His sacraments, these holy signs. I looked up uh, in my Confession of Faith, the Westminster Confession. It's a wonderful confession in chapter 27 of the sacraments. It says, sacraments are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace, immediately instituted by God to represent Christ and His benefits and to confirm our interest in him. And this is the phrase that I preached on. Well, I didn't preach on from the confession, but I preached on baptism, and I used this out of the confession. As also to put a visible difference between those that belong unto the church and the rest of the world. Mm. The, the word of God in reading it and receiving it in signs of baptism and the Lord's Supper puts a distinction between the believer and the unbeliever. Yeah. And we have to remember, uh, and our baptism should remind us that we belong to Christ and to another kingdom. I'm a, a bit distressed, if you will, um, and I won't go into all the reasons why, over uh, many Christians who seem to love Christ, but yet their uh, values and their system and understanding of of society and politics just doesn't conform to it. No. And I think that the reason for that is that we have not exercised the discipline over our minds and life, nor taken seriously that we belong to another kingdom, yeah. the kingdom of Christ. St. Augustine uh, wrote maybe one of the greatest uh, works ever in the city of God. And in the city of God, he has a place where he has to defend the charge 
that since you follow Christ, you won't be good citizens in our society. You're, you're a threat. You're an alien. You'll overthrow us. And Augustine said to the Romans at the time, no, we are patriotic. God has called us to be obedient to authority on earth. Yeah. It is true when it comes down to the crunch, if you make us uh, try to make us to follow you uh, ultimately rather than Christ, then of course we will die for our faith. But he wanted people to understand that uh, we live in two kingdoms. Uh, we live in the earthly kingdom, surely, under uh, rulers and so forth, and we're to be obedient to them. But we also live in another kingdom, and that may come into conflict. Yeah. And when it does, find where the conflict is uh, and follow Christ rather than the powers that be. And and that's the thing that we're facing today more than anything. And I think a, a, a discipline uh, that Lent requires and our understanding of our own baptism and identity in Christ is is most important. And it's renewed, I think, through this period in time mm-hmm. of observance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Um. We're talking today with Dr. John Vance about the subject of Lent, and we've discussed uh, why it's appropriate for Protestants to uh, observe this time, certainly. And uh, we've talked about um, some of the elements of, of Lent, the, the prayer, the dedication to Christ, uh, exercising control over myself, uh, my mind conformed to the mind of Christ, um, thinking back to our baptism and um, also noting historically how baptism in the earlier church was often done at certain times of the year, and the people were catechized prior to being baptized. And then we talked a little bit about the sacraments. The Lord's Supper is another sacrament that we observe. I've noticed Sometimes I'm called upon to serve communion, even though I'm not actively on the session right now, Pastor Vance. Um, some people do not partake. They, they realize the seriousness of it, and um, for whatever reason, known between them and God, they're not partaking. Uh, so that's a serious sacrament, isn't it? It is indeed, and the, the table... Uh, is is uh, doesn't require rigor, you know, our weakness. It's to help our weakness it if is. we are weak Christians. But it also, uh, though, if we're walking in open sin and so forth, or we're not being obedient and, and we know it, uh, we are to discipline ourselves. And yes, there are times when a person may not take Holy Communion because uh, they may not have uh, made amends, let's say, with someone. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, they're holding a grudge. And, and they would uh, say to themselves, uh, you know, I must discipline myself, lest the Lord discipline me in uh, this way. And so it is a reminder for us to keep our walk with the Lord uh, fresh and new in every day. And so, uh, yes, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper is a, a holy and sacred thing. And and uh, we, we we find in the New Testament that it is a true communion with Christ. And so for that reason, we want to make sure that we're walking with Christ when we come to communion. Yeah, yeah. 
Sometimes you need a tune-up in your life, if I can use crass terms to describe, um, you know. Well, that's true. That's excellent. Our walk with the Lord. Um, last night we had a gentleman come here that is a piano tuner. Uh, I don't imagine there's too many of them around. We have an older piano here that we had when homeschooling the children. And now the grandkids want to use that piano, but it was horribly out of tune. So we had him come, and it's kind of a reminder that um, I know I'm not a piano. I'm a, I'm a human being made in the image of God, but it's easy to uh, lose focus on the things of the Lord. It's easy to allow sin into our lives. We need tune-ups, and... Um, uh, going to church every Sunday certainly provides a wonderful tune-up to our spirit, but this thing of Lent seems like falls into that category very nicely where um, we're examining ourselves uh, for a whole 40 days. If we choose to you know, consciously think about this, and it, it's kind of like that piano in our basement that is now tuned up, and it sounds a lot better now. I went to uh, church last night, my wife and I. We went to our uh, Ash Wednesday service, and uh, we had communion and received ashes. Now, a lot of Protestants who observe Lent do not uh, (laughs) usually receive ashes, but in our church we did. But uh, the point was, the ashes are are very uh, symbolic, of course, in the Old Testament. When a person had severely sinned and trying to get right with God, they would sit by the road in sackcloth and ashes Yes, as a sign of repentance and turning away from their sin and turning to God. And it was a, uh, a, a quite a, a discipline. And you see that many times in the Old Testament. Now, ashes were used, and it's interesting, and, uh, 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 we are from dust to dust. Ashes are a sign of our mortality. Mm. Um, we came from dust, and we returned to dust. That's the human experience. Uh, we are not eternal. Now, uh, the ashes are a sign of our mortality and that our sins lead to our death. You know, as death, uh, one man sinned, uh, death com- came upon all persons. And, and uh, that's, that's the nature of human life. Uh, death rules. The writer of Hebrews says, It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. So ashes uh, remind us of a, a number of things. It teaches us to number our days, if you will, like mm. the psalmist said. So teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. But the preacher had an interesting homily. He said, think of your last days when you face your death. You're on your deathbed. What are you going to think about? Are you going to think about this grudge? Or that uh, uh, thing that angers you so much, are you going, as a Christian, turn your heart to God and solely focus upon Him? Yes. Well, on your deathbed, it certainly concentrates the mind. And if you're in your right mind, you definitely will turn toward those things that are most important in life. Lent is a time to help us sort out what is most important and what is not. Yeah. And and for that reason, I would recommend it, whether you go to an Ash Wednesday service or not, but I would recommend uh, that we realize that our mortality is is true and real, and our only hope to live 
is through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The end goal of Lent is the resurrection. And it's in the midst of, of this mortal coil and mortal life and sin and death where it reigns that we have the greatest hope that we can ever imagine. As Jesus Christ, so shall we live. And uh, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And it's a wonderful thing to be pointed uh, to the end. You know, the purpose of a thing is the most important uh, aspect about anything. What is its purpose? Well, the purpose of Lent is not just to only mourn your sins. It's to point us to Jesus Christ and the resurrection, mm-hmm. the one who died for us, who came into this world to seek and to save the lost. And we have great hope uh, in Christ. And so in the midst of this mortal world that we live in, we have the offer of eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a great hope we have. Mm, it's very touching. I was at my parents' grave um, the other day and um, saw their tombstone, and it was a sober reminder of uh, um, the shortness of this life. And um, we have a short scripture quotation on their tombstone, and it's that one. I am the resurrection and the life. And it's just a sobering and yet a glorious promise that that um, there's something much more than this life. Um, these bodies will be resurrected again and reunited with their spirits that's already with the Lord if they're Christians. Pastor Vance, um, thank you for joining us today. And any final word before we go today? Let me encourage uh, uh, Christians to to uh, to observe Lent as it's your conscience enables you. It uh, it shows our solidarity with other Christians around the world. By the way, mm. we're all on the same page, singing for the same uh, choir uh, sheet. But it's also a witness. Uh, uh, I had a person say uh, to another person I know when they were out in public after a Lenten service. So Ash Wendy said, "Your head's dirty." where he had received the ashes, and my friend said, no, these ashes, I'm actually a Christian who plans to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and this is a sign of my uh, uh, intent to do that, mm. that I believe in Jesus. But it's also a discipline for you and your families. It's saying we belong to the counterculture, and uh, these things uh, are important for those reasons. So uh, uh, it can be a blessing to observe Lent in many ways. Pastor John Vance has been our guest today, our dear friend and fellow board member here at Redeemer. And Pastor Vance, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Blessing. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 